Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Project Loving Myself podcast is brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. Inside beauty will radiate. And outside yeah. beauty, physical beauty will deteriorate. So do you want to be a radiate or a deteriorate? You are listening to Project Loving Myself podcast a well-being podcast that shares stories of self-love, mental fortitude, and self-discovery. Hosted by life designer and well-being coach, Sanaya Gurnamal. Hi, I'm Sanaya Gurnamal, and this is the Project Loving Myself podcast. Join me each week as we navigate through aha moments, new ideas, and flashes of insight from candid conversations that inspire you to get started on your own project of loving yourself. Because the most important relationship you will ever have is the relationship that you have with yourself. You matter. This is Project Loving Myself. Hi, everyone. This is Sanaya on the Project Loving Myself podcast. How are you all today? Are you happy? Are you having a good day? Let me see if I can make your day a little bit brighter. Join me as we focus on you, on learning how to live a healthier, happier, and a more centered life. Today's episode is all about letting our inner beauty shine through. And who better to talk to about our inner and outer beauty than the Philippines' leading dermatologist, CEO, and medical director of Bello Medical Group, Dr. Vicky Bello herself. Dr. Vicky Bello is a change maker, a visionary, who literally took dermatology out of the hospital and brought it into every Filipino home through her TV show and speaking events. Not only has she been on the forefront of the latest beauty technologies and treatments, but she has made it accessible to the Filipino people, catering to their specific beauty and cosmetic needs. For 28 years, Bello Medical Group remains the number one medical aesthetic ambulatory clinic in the Philippines. Her clinic is built on Dr. Bello's dream to make the Philippines the most beautiful country in the world, one person at a time. No words can express her impact on the modern woman who aspires to be a Bello woman. It is my honor to have Dr. Vicky Bello on our show today. Welcome to the show, Dr. Vicky. It is so good to see you after such a long time. I know. Hello, Sanaya. I'm so happy to be a guest on your show. You've, you've always been someone who should have had a show, so I'm so happy you finally did it. Oh, thank you for, for saying that, and thank you for taking your time today. So I've got some great questions. I've always found you to be someone who is very inspiring and such a great influencer uh, to women today. And that's why I really wanted you on the show because I know that you would definitely be the perfect guest for Project Loving Myself. Now, let me start, Dr. Vicky, by reading out one of your social media posts that had a really big impact on me. You said, always remember to fall in love with yourself every day. It's not being vain. It's not being selfish. It's the secret to being happy. 
So go ahead and don't be afraid to indulge yourself with the things that will make you fall in love with yourself more. Those are some really powerful and beautiful words, Dr. Vicki. Tell me about your self-love journey. Have you always been able to love yourself in the same way throughout your life? Actually not. It was a real journey because I was adopted. Well, I know you're going to talk about that later, but it has to come in now. So I was adopted. I was a fifth child and the fourth girl. I was a ch- I was born Victoria Concho. So my mothers were sisters. So my Concho mom was pregnant every year. My Bella mom had been married eight years and never gotten pregnant. And we're giving up already about ever having kids. And my Kansha mom was so tired of being pregnant because she never even got her period in between. Like the gap between me and my older brother is 11 months, me and my younger brother is 11 months. So they made a deal when I was in in my mother's stomach. Uh, And uh, so my Bella mom went to my Kansha mom and said, Conchita, do you think you could give us a baby? Because we've been trying for eight years and we haven't been lucky. And my Kansha mom said, okay, I'll give you this one. But if she's a boy, we'll keep her, him. But if she's a girl, we'll give you, give it away. So that right away, I have a problem already with not being equal to a boy. Although it wasn't because I wasn't equal to a boy. It was more because they already had three girls and only one boy. In the end, they had nine children. So there were four boys, we were five girls and four boys. But if you take me out, then it's equal. You know how people always want to equalize stuff. (laughs) Anyway, so when I was born, I was very blessed to have the most wonderful um, adoptive parents who told me about my being adopted since I was a kid through stories, always talking about Princess Veronica, who was adopted and how special she was and how they prayed for her. And, you know, she was just the most special, wonderful princess. Until I think one day when I was three years old, my dad tells me, I said, Daddy, I wish I was adopted. And he said, you are. And I said, really? Yeah, I'm so happy I'm adopted. Because that means I was chosen, you know, that they prayed for me, et cetera, et cetera, because they couldn't have kids. So it was good. But then I went to Assumption, and it was a school where my sisters studied as well. And the conscious sisters were made to call me their sister because I am their sister. So they would always, you always have to call Vicky your sister. But that one way was not so good because then the whole school knew I was adopted. You know, there's nothing really wrong I think with being adopted, but when everybody knows, then it becomes, I I didn't know I was being bullied as a kid, but people would whisper behind my back. I don't know. Do you understand Tagalog, Sanaya? A a little bit, a little bit. A little, but they would say, which means she's just adopted. You know, instead of just saying she's adopted, it's just. So it would make me feel like somehow inferior. And when I was five years old, and during recess or something, one of the kids said, why did your parents give you away? Why don't they love you? Wow. And I looked at them and I, you know, I was like, I've never seen, I never saw it like that before. And now I try to, I begin to cry. And I'm like, and then the other one chimed in. Oh, it's because she's so fat. And the other one goes, no, it's just because she's so ugly. So right away in a five-year-old mind that I had, I made the connection, if you're ugly and you're fat, they give you away. No one loves you. And it changed my life because from, from before that, I felt very blessed and lucky to be adopted. 
And after that, I felt like it was so bad. Like even your parents couldn't love you. They had to give you away. And so when your parents, when your own parents, I think if there's any love that most people are secure about, it's that their parents love them, right? And when that doesn't even have a security to it, then I felt so unloved, like who would love me? And when my adoptive parents kept telling me they loved me, I didn't believe them anymore. Like, yeah, you know, it's like, oh, and then there was this awful caveat where my real mom said, okay, you can have her, but if you ever have your own children, you have to give her back. So wow. it was so my dad and my mom actually never make love. My mom was so scared she'd get pregnant and have to give me back. But there was this whole thing about, oh my God, I'm gonna be tossed back and forth from people or given back like I was some sort of puppy or something. Even puppies don't get given back like that. So I don't know, it affected me and I felt very um on what is it? Unworthy I, I, of love. Dr. Vicky, yeah, I would but, imagine also not secure, not feeling safe. Like there's no yeah. real a place that's home. Yeah, that's sure. You know, that, that no matter what happens. So I think even that's how I met you because I kept searching. There was such pain. And I, I had gone through so many psychologists and trying to figure out this whole adoption because on an intellectual level, I appreciated the fact that my foster parents really loved me. But on a emotional level, I think because I got, you know, at five years old, you don't have filters. So all that, all that my classmates were saying really got into my heart and my soul and my mind. So I couldn't, I couldn't get off it, right? Then I had a lot of anger towards my, my biological mom, like, how could you give me away? And then, you know, and then I had a lot of relationships. I mean, I, so when I started dating men, I'd always test them, test them all, all the time. Like, do you really love me? You can't possibly love me. Because I felt, you know, so that's why I think I got into, well, if no one's going to love me, I'm going to love myself. <laughs> so that's actually where the self-love came in. And now, of course, that I'm Christian, finally I get it that we're all children of God and and he loves us and we're all adopted by, by our, our earthly parents. So I'm very grateful. I was always grateful about being adopted by the Bellows. In fact, I think I think it's fate, you know, because my name Bello means beautiful. In in Portuguese, it means beautiful. And in Italian, Bello is handsome, Bella is beautiful. So it was almost like I was destined to become this beauty doctor, but the journey and even to today, I mean, I do spoil myself because I deserve it. You know, I worked hard because I deserve it. But deep inside, I still have, it's smaller, the whole, but it's still there. The self-love and, you know, so it's like poor Hayden has to go through a lot sometimes <laughs> because I'm always like, you know, like, when I don't feel, it takes so little to make me feel not loved. You know, like if Hayden just just walks ahead of me, then I'll feel bad. Like he forgot me, he left me. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think, I, I'm not really. So I went to you because I wanted to get rid of all this pain because it's always there. But, you know, it, it comes and goes now. I wouldn't say, I can say that 
it's you know it's been a journey i'm so old already i'm like god when is this gonna go <laughs> anyway but you know you've you've been through a lot of trauma as a child it's the bullying you know this is something mm-hmm. a lot of different children go through and this is something most parents cannot protect their children from because they're uh-huh. not around when this is happening but at right. the end of the day all the bullying that you went through i mean it brought you to where you are today you know you fought back and i didn't fight back that's one thing i don't really know how to fight back it's another thing about being an only child you don't know how to fight because there's no one to fight with so you grow up you know being like the only child that's why i worry about scarlet because it's almost similar you know she's so young and and she's cute and she's basically our lives we love her so much and she can feel it and and you so she's so used to people giving her things on a silver platter and i remember when i was i was 5 year another 5 must have been a very traumatic time for me but when i was 5 years old i go to parties and they would have the cakes and at that time now it's not uso fashionable to have flowers but before in our time there were always these flower sugar flowers and i would sit in, i would stand in front of the cake and wait for someone to hand it to me and all the kids and their yayas would be all over i would be in the front but i i didn't know how to grab so all the people would be on top of me and then the, all the sugar flowers would disappear and i'm like like i get looks so confused cuz why didn't anybody give me any so i don't know how to grab but what i learned was I I went home and I said mommy I need to learn how to make cake decoration. I want to take cake decoration. <laughs> and she, I was 5 and she said, "Why?" I said, "So I can make sugar flowers so that I can I can have sugar flowers because otherwise every party I go to I never come home with any sugar flower." So she enrolled me in Silverino so at that time. So she's still around. And I was her youngest student ever. But that was why I gained a hun- I became 100 pounds at 7. <laughs> Because I would always make the sugar flowers and I would put the pistol, the yellow thing in the middle. I'd eat it already. <laughs> you know, it's almost like starvation because I never got it. So before I even put the petals, I would eat it and eat it. So I had so much sugar flowers. So yeah, I I think I gained like I don't know because at 5 years old Scarlett is only 45 pounds and she's a tall girl much taller than I was and mm-hmm. at 7 years old so at 7 let's just say she probably will be 55 pounds and I was 100 so that's wow that's uh that's I must have gained 45 pounds because I was not so fat as a kid a little fat but you know chubby cute but later on I became like on a beast <laughs> yeah so but, you I know I took all my stuff in food yeah The thing is though what I noticed from your story Dr. Vicky is that at the age of 5 you already learned that if nobody was going to give you something you'd make it for yourself. Mm, you know, you definitely. were going to take you and that was already your first step towards self-love. If nobody else is going to give it to me, I will give it to myself. So uh, that's I will already, figure out a way. <laughs> I will figure out a way and that set the stage for your entire career success I would imagine. Now with the the weight gain at the end of the day you were being bullied you were people were making fun of you they were telling you you're not beautiful you know you're you're overweight and so on and so you had to go somewhere and put all those you know feelings and so what you did is you turned to food which made that's things generally, worse right? which makes it worse right mm-hmm. but that's how you coped mm-hmm. right and what's yeah, amazing I how is, many kids do that 
Exactly. I would imagine there's a lot of people eating away their, you know, their sorrows or eating away their the bullying that they're going through, their insecurities, their, their anxieties. And so what your story is one of someone who triumphed over all of that, mm-hmm. you know, who who had a lot of things going against her, but you figured it mm-hmm. out. And even though you said you don't you don't fight back, you don't, you know, grab what you want. You have your own way of making a statement. I mean, Bello Medical Group is your statement, right? At mm-hmm. the end of the day, you went into dermatology and you decided that you'd make anyone who wanted to be beautiful, like you'd help them. Right. Right? Because no one was helping me at that time. And I didn't know where to go. So I just, so I get very upset when people say that Bello is about vanity or that, you know, because they don't understand, I think, the pain that people who are considered unattractive go through. Yes. I mean, for example, you're very pretty, Sanaya. So I doubt that you, Thank I don't you. know, did you have insecurities? I but, did. Um, I was a chubby kid, too. <laughs> also, actually, a lot of pretty girls now were chubby kids. I was talking to Georgina Wilson, Belle, Belle Daza, Solen. They were all fat when they were kids. So that's why they're very grounded. When you talk to them, they're still, you know, they all, well, Belle and George were in my wedding. And to this day, I just interviewed Belle the other week, last week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I really appreciate Belle and George because they're two people who really stood by Hayden when the whole sex scandal happened and everybody hated him. And I had to be the one to to stand up for him. And I was the one who was most agreed by what had happened. There were very few people, I can count them in one hand, the people that stood by him or believed in him or gave him any any chance of redemption. And that's Belle and that's George. And during the wedding when they were there, I told, I remember telling Hayden, I said, I one of the reasons I love him is because when he looks at me, he makes me feel beautiful. He has this look that, you know, Malpiola Pascual has it too. He was here earlier. They just stare. <laughs> they probably study it. But it's like, you're so gorgeous. You're so beautiful. I can't stop looking at you. And I remember Belle said, oh, when you said that I was crying and George was crying and we were, Martine was crying and Jess was all, because they all have insecurities. So people who think that beautiful women out there don't have any, they actually do yeah. it usually because they were fat as a kid. Yeah, because sometimes even though, you know, you're thin and you've lost all that weight, you still, in your head, you're that fat kid. You know, you're mm. that kid that people made fun of. It doesn't quite leave you unless you kind of deal with it and you get over it. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes there's a there's a need to, like, prove it to people that, look, I'm not that, that fat kid anymore. You know, I'm a grown <laughs> woman and I look like this, you know. And so there's this um. element of needing to, to show people. That you know you were wrong about me. Well, some people yeah. may become angry and bitter. I'm just very happy that the people I have around me and that I didn't become vain and bitter. That I just figured out a way. This is an unfair world. I'm gonna make everybody beautiful. That was really my mantra. Because I yeah. I found I find it very unfair for people who are beautiful to have a lot of uh, advantages in life. And they have shown that people who are beautiful, they get the best. They date more. They become teachers' pets. They get jobs easier. 
they just admired more. For what? For what? What did they do? They were just born lucky in the gene genetic pool. So yes. I'm like, my favorite people are those who were not born lucky and beautiful, who work on themselves by reading, by studying, by by becoming, you know, developing themselves because they had to make up for the fact that they weren't that good looking. And yeah. then you make them good looking. And then the whole package. Because a lot of women who are beautiful from the day they're born, they feel like they can get by with that because people let them get by with that. And then so they don't make that much of an effort to improve themselves. And when the looks are gone, they're, they're, they're confused. And they don't know what to do now. Like I, I had this friend who, she was so beautiful, really beautiful to the point that people would, you know, in Bangkok, she married a Thai guy. People would actually bump cars because she, she's just so beautiful. You stare and you get bumped. I mean, I saw it happen. Wow. And then as she got older, like we all did, she entered her room and she'd take off her sunglasses and look around to see who's looking at her. And nobody was looking at her. I was just like, oh my God, it must be so hard. <laughs> It's, it's hard for anyone. I mean, it is true. And I remember this growing up that, you know, the better looking you were, the more people treated you well. You know, you'd get better seats. You'd get more recognition. You know, the boys would be chasing you more. And generally, there are a lot of studies. You're absolutely right. There are a lot of studies to show that, you know, how we look really influences how people behave with us. Okay. So mm -hmm. I see that. But, you know, what you did, Dr. Vicky, is you leveled the playing field. You said, yes. you know, it's not just about your genes, it's about also self-care, right? You can take mm -hmm. care of yourself better. And I think also another, another thing I get from you is, and this is what I get from your life, it's also not about just what's on the outside, okay? You did the mm -hmm. journey, of, you know, you did the work. You worked on yourself, you studied, you, you know, you got into anything that made you happy. And so you developed yourself to become the person that you are today. And that really tells, I would imagine all our listeners that it's not really only what you're born with, but it's also how you keep working on yourself and developing yourself to be the best that you can be. Because, you know, there's mm -hmm. nothing like a beautiful person that has a very, you know, not so great personality, you know, like you can be beautiful, but if you're mean and you're rude and you're unkind, you know, you don't look so beautiful anymore. And sometimes when you're not so beautiful, but you have such a beautiful personality, I feel like that really comes out. And I remember when I met you at my, at my healing center, the one thing that really stuck out for me is how open and loving you are. You know, you're very loving towards your family. Oh. I remember when you would talk to me about Hayden, like the way you would talk about him, there was so much love in your voice. And I see, you know, your posts with Scarlett and I see how you are with your employees and so on. And there's just really that love that kind of shines through. And I think that's part of what being beautiful is. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I definitely agree that physical beauty is, it's just like wrapping paper. I always call it, we we're just talking to Scarlett about it today, that, you know, darling, you have a soul. And this is just your earth suit. This is not who you are. And Scarlet is inside. And to live in, on earth, you need the suit, which is our flesh and skin. Of course, you like to decorate it and make it look good. But, you know, it is hard to explain to a five-year-old. But when people ask me about what, you know, always ask me the question, what do you think beautiful is? 
it's so hard for me because here I am about physical beauty, but in the end, I, I really, I think a beautiful soul is much more important. Somebody who's passionate and who, who is not about themselves, and and just really, you know, it's more an outgoing kind of energy. And it's ironic that the people who, it's actually a sign of insecurity, I think, when people are so into themselves, checking themselves. Like, I'm a little upset with this current generation, the selfie generation. <laughs> um, they're always taking pictures of themselves and stuff like that. It's like, are you, you know, like, I don't know. I go, this is so, they're so into themselves that they're not looking outward anymore. And, and then they... You know, like for me, this this COVID nineteen has been a test for what's really inside. People who keep complaining and and talking about negativity it doesn't add. You know, I always believe in being the be part of the solution, not part of the problem. So, although there are times that I really get depressed about the COVID situation and how much longer it's so weird because it's no end. You don't know. You know, you. I'm setting myself up, for example, for six months, but deep inside me, I think it's a year, and mm. then it just seems so long. And but you know, I try to be positive, but sometimes when you work so hard to being positive, then it's an act. Then I cry because it's like, oh my god. But it's very important. Yeah, I definitely feel that you know, inside beauty will radiate. And outside yeah. beauty, physical beauty will deteriorate. So, do you want to be a radiate or a deteriorate? <laughs> oh, I love that. Right? Yeah, I, I love that. <laughs> do you want to radiate or deteriorate? That's like definitely the you know the phrase for this podcast today. Amazing. <laughs> but okay, so you mentioned Dr. Vicky a little bit about you know, what happened with Hayden and the scandal and you stood by him. Right. So I want to go back mm -hmm. to that. That also speaks a lot about character. What is it that you think gave you the ability to stand by him and, you know, to, to uh, stand up for him? Tell me about that okay, experience. Well, I, th well, it was definitely, you know, I always tell people, God will always make you grow. And the way he makes you grow is by giving you challenging experiences. And you're supposed to learn your lesson when he presents it to you. Because in the beginning, it's just going to be a pebble. But if you don't learn, it becomes a stone. And if you don't learn, it becomes a rock. And eventually, a boulder or a building will fall on you. So I think that that's kind of where I was. The reason that I was able to be stand by his side is because I really, really love Hayden. I mean, genuinely, not as a boyfriend or, but I know his past and I think that's so important. If you understand the past, then, and you understand how he got to where he got to, then then you can understand the person and forgive more. So Hayden, I, he shares this all the time, so I feel free to do it. He was molested by a man when he was seven or eight years old. Some some guy selling balloons and candy. Yeah. And he was brought to a truck in an empty lot. And he really has blocked off. I've asked him many times. And he's never been able to tell me what happened. So I don't really know if he's blocked off. But I believe he has. Whatever. It must have been so horrible. That he won't remember or go there. But because of that, it changed his whole life. So Hayden is... It's really a good person, a kind and very good person. And you see that all the time. He's consistently so. Unfortunately, this, this uh, experience 
made him a little, you know, he wanted to be a good person, but he didn't tell anybody about it because the rule in the house was always look good, you know, always look your best. Like he does, he does that in spades in terms of looking good, dressing mm -hmm. well, being the polite man and all that. But, you know, you it's not good to have bad news. It's almost, it's not an open family where you can really share your feelings and talk about things like that. So he, he decided to just keep the secret to himself. But he also got very angry with God. Like, how mm. could you let this happen to me? I'm only eight or seven. Or And what is the use of being pure when when I'm already so soiled, right? I'm yeah. I'm already dirty by, by my standards. So and then fortunately, unfortunately, he's blessed with good looks. He's six three, he's smart, he's a doctor. I mean he's got the whole package. So girls fall for this. I honestly when I met Hayden it wasn't supposed to be a love thing or anything. We just if anything, I had a I had a boyfriend at that time who had cancer, who had just died. So I needed entertainment. <laughs> so I yeah. meet this guy, and he's twenty five. He's uh, twenty three years younger than me, and I'm like, wow. Before, because when I was eighteen, I had prayed. I always prayed. The one thing about being an only child is you're. I've always been close to the Lord. Like Jesus is my best friend because. Mm -hmm. I have no brothers or sisters, so he was kind of like my, my snuffleupagus, but he was always there. So I said, Lord, I prayed when I was 18. I prayed that I would marry a doctor, that he would look like a model. And he had to be funny. Hayden's very funny. And he had to be smart. And I really liked the whole idea of talking shop, like medicine and stuff like that. Nobody ever came. So I, my second dream was to marry a guy from Harvard. An MBA, hardworking, you know. So that's what my ex-husband was. Then mm -hmm. now he sends me this guy, which exactly my specs. Looks like a, he was a model. He's funny and everything, but he's so young. <laughs> so I said, God, I forgot to specify the time. You know, be careful what you pray for. But anyway, so I said, well, maybe we can just do this because he's so cute. And, you know, I just need something to kind of lighten up my... Because I was in such a dark place in terms of it's so hard to lose. It's so hard to lose someone, to have somebody die. I never, you know, somebody, it was just so, so hard. And I needed to cope, so I, I used this to cope. And that's also one of the reasons why I stood by him. Because I realized that no matter what, even if we didn't end up together, which I never expected he would, I just wanted to make sure Hayden was alive. But somehow, if I missed him, I could still see him talk to him, you know, and since he had tried to commit suicide twice, because what happened was that his friends turned on him because he got, you know, I brought him into my life. Here I was thinking I was going to give him the world, you know, because he had a very easy, simple life, Chinese life. So mm -hmm. he would go to school, he would go home, he would model, but he never hung out the models. I mean, I got this straight from the, that's why they all love him because he just worked. He was always studying medicine. So he was trying to make extra money by modeling and still being studying medicine. And, and you know, so, and he's such a helpful person. So I remember Piton Moreno said, oh, he's such a good guy. You, you, you know, you take care of him, la, la, la. And in my head, you know, I will introduce him, make up for his, his what happened to him as a kid. I introduce him to a more fun life. So when he became a doctor already and he started practicing with me, I 
And he's a very good liposuction surgeon, by the way. I would give him all the stars because some of the stars would come and they'd have a liposuction. And then after a while, they gain weight again. They want another life. I was getting tired of mm -hmm. it. So I said, hey, no, why don't you? Not realizing that this 25-year-old guy was exposed for the first time to stars who were then all flirting with him because nobody had respect. Yeah. I mean, I guess in their minds, like, how can you really be with Dr. Bella? She's old, you know. You must be with her for the money or whatever it is. So you're right. fair game. And then his guy, in his mind, like, wow, these are the stars I see in FHM. And, and whatever, like, the Katrina Halili was always chosen as the sexiest woman on FHM three times. And he, she would call him. But she introduced him to drugs. And... And for the first time in his life, I think he felt confident. Because prior, oh, his mom, another thing about childhood, it's so hard. To, I don't know if you find it hard to cure childhood, but his mom had tough love on him and would always tell him how ugly he was, how stupid he was, how unattractive, how big his nose is, everything negative. And his mom is really nice. I get along with her. But I told her, I mean, why are you like that with him? He's, his self-confidence is so low, so low. When I first met him, I thought, you must be kidding me. Come on, don't give me this PS because you're tall, handsome. You're a mm. doctor. And, you know, it's not like, but he really had no self-confidence. And I talked to the mom and the mom said, oh, it's because I didn't want him to be mayabang. I didn't want him to be because he's tall, he's handsome, he's smart. So anyway, so when all this happened, and then the real, oh, because I was, I had found out his friends had had told me, because he had an affair with a girlfriend of his best friend. Okay. So the whole Barcada came here and told me about it. And I mean, just to show you how bad he had deteriorated from being this very ethical person to totally no ethics, no nothing at all. So I was like, I said, oh my gosh. And then I said, and then, you know, we started, we stole all his, his uh, you know, computers, whatever, to get proof. I don't know what we were doing, but it was kind of a crazy time. I don't remember anymore. But I said, oh, my gosh. And then his friend, one of his best friends, had dinner with him to, so that he wouldn't go home to his apartment so he could steal the stuff. Am I talking too much? Anyway, I knew. I said, you know, he's going to try to kill himself. He can't face this. And they said, good for him. If he kills himself, let him die. They were that angry with him. Yeah. I said, you can't let him die. And in my head, I just had a boyfriend die. I can't let this guy die. I mean, it's like, <laughs> so so they wouldn't let me. They were guarding me. They were guarding me and making sure I couldn't call. Or I was so worried. So I pretended to go to the toilet. And I called one of the people that works with him, with us, his best friend. I said, can you go to his apartment? I'm so scared he'll kill himself. Because... Because at the end of the dinner, the best friend said, by the way, we told Vicky everything. We got all your computers, hard drives, blah, blah, blah. We're going to look at this proof. And he's like, he knew what was in there. We ne we didn't know what was in there. He's the only one who knew. And mm -hmm. he knew that that would come out. And he knew that he couldn't face it. So he tried to kill himself. He took 30 volumes. It should have killed him. 10 would have killed him. I don't know. God has a plan for him. So the yeah. friend went there. She goes, she calls me up and she says, I can't get in. The door is so heavy. She's tiny, like 4'10 and really thin. I said, well, my driver is there meeting you with a key. Try to push the door. Anyway, she's able to get in. He goes, I don't know if he's dead because he's he's like totally out. And then I said, is he breathing? I don't know. Can you feel a pulse? I'm not sure. I said, see, you guys, he killed himself. 
you know, so it was one of these crazy things where we panicked, we went there, and, you know, the closest hospital is Makati Med, and I should have known better because Makati Med is very gossipy. So that yeah. would have come out in the news for sure, but I could have, but I brought him there anyway at three in the morning because I, I didn't know if he was dead. I mean, I knew he was alive, but the pulse rate was so slow, blah, blah. He was in a coma for five days. Anyway, so I knew at that point I had I had gone, I went to the chapel in Makati Med where I always used to pray when I was an intern. And I prayed, I said, Mama Mary, if you can just make him live, I promise I won't abandon him. I will stay by his side until he's okay. Of course, I never thought we would still have a relationship. I mean, when I found out about all the girls, it's like it's impossible that I would even understand that. But at least I don't want him to die. I'm, sh You know, so yeah. I prayed. And then he, he woke up like on the fifth day and he was normal. So, you know, so I felt like I should really stay with him. That's how, because I know the journey and I know what he had to go through. I think I was able to forgive him. But it was a tough one because you know drugs were still part of his life and all the rehab and everything that we did he would still go back because he found his self-confidence there and it yeah. was only when he became christian that he stopped completely and became this wonderful person but i still don't know how we got married i think it's god's plan but you know because i would never do that i remember praying see i'm so funny at 25 when i met him i said god can i can i date him for a while and give him back to to the society so that he can find a wife when he's 28 <laughs> i had my i had my year three year span and uh and and then at 28 i made tawad i said god can you make it till 30 because it's so fun <laughs> and that's when it started to get crazy so i'm like it's one of the few times in my life i've broken my word but and now we're even married so i, I ask forgiveness all the time but i really think this whole journey it's meant to be, right? I mean, just, I don't know. So complicated. Completely. But it was... No, completely. <laughs> First of all, you Dr. Think... Vicky, for mm. sure. I mean, you attracted him. You manifested him because he was exactly what you prayed for. That's at already 18. your first at 18. But it took 30 years before. Is it 30? Yeah, 30 years before God came. Okay, Wait. you know, a little delayed, <laughs> but you, you got okay. there, you know, and he came. And, and not only that, you know, despite everything that happened, if you look at mm. the person he is today, he's changed so incredibly much. And yes. today, I think looking back at that experience, wouldn't you say that your marriage, your relationship, your family is what it is today because of what you went through? I don't think he's ever going to forget, you know, where he came from and what happened. And I guess that makes you value what you have today. Wouldn't you agree with that? I definitely agree with it. And that's also what made him so mature. Because if you, even if I'm a lot older, if you compare our maturity level, because he's gone through so much more than I have, the ridicule, the pub, public humiliation, which is exactly what he hated more than anything. Yeah. I mean, that's what he was trying to avoid all the time, right? He's really grown so much as a person. In a way, I think I have this block. I don't want to grow because I like to be childlike. <laughs> maybe childish but it takes it's so you know like i don't feel like i'm mature so when i just look at your questions i go oh my god i can't answer these questions they're too thought they're such deep questions <laughs> i don't like to go deep <laughs> but everything you've said dr vicky everything you've said so far has been deep I mean, everything oh, you're talking about, yeah, it's about, you know, everything you've learned in this journey and how much you've grown. 
And, you know, it really takes, I would say, a very mature person to stand by mm-hmm. and be there for another person. So I know, uh, I know that, you know, he takes care of you. I know you are the one that, you know, who gets pampered by him. But despite that, you know, I think that you have so much strength. And I think mm-hmm. that you have grown so much from that experience. And I think that's what makes your relationship so strong today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. But tell me something. Looking at that, right? So you were in a relationship and um, you were married, you know. And you had other relationships in between. And then, you know, you had these kind of circumstances happen with Hayden. Looking back at that and where you are today with Scarlett, with your family today, what would you say to women out there who are still in relationships, in marriages, in relationships where they're unhappy, you know, where they're not Mm -hmm. getting what they want, where they're stuck and, you know, they have all these reasons why in their head they can't get out of that relationship. What would you say to them? Because you've come to the other side. You've crossed over. Mm -hmm. What would you tell them? Based on my life, I would say that I wouldn't take a relationship where it's not getting, it has to be a partnership and it has to be that, that he's giving as much energy and love to the relationship as you are. But I, I see a lot of women who really don't want to leave. They pretend they want to leave, but they really, they'll use the children, they'll leave, but they really love the guy and they, and they want to pray that somehow everything's going to work out. And so I think the, the time that I would tell them to really go is when they're being beaten up or something. If they're not being beaten up, I would, I would tell them to, you know, try to make, because if Hayden and I could come from a place that bad, Mm-hmm. There's always hope for people, for a man. I always, when my, in all my greeting cards when I'm Nina, I always say, make God the third person or Jesus the third person in your marriage. Because marriage is so hard that I don't think it's, I, it's almost impossible to be able to make it through just the two of you. And if there's not enough communication and guys get, you know, well, girls too, but guys are very easily, they need to believe that this is distracted. In fact, in our wedding, Dr. Ravi Zacharias, I don't know if you know him. He just passed away. But he he said to Hayden, I, I love it. He kept looking at Hayden, never at me, because he thinks I'm so mumbaid. He looks at <laughs> Hayden and goes, you, Hayden. Because <laughs> it was really him who saved Hayden's life. I think prior, because Hayden was just into drugs and going all over the place. And then Dr. Ravi said, why don't you follow me around the world? Why don't you be with me? And really mentored him until he became Christian you know, in a deep way. 
Dr. Ive goes, train your eyes, Hayden. Everything begins with the eyes. Everything begins with the eyes. You look at the girl, you get attracted, you, you know, and then you start having thoughts. So you train your eyes. And then Hayden now, whenever there's a problem, right, the way he sits me down and goes, what's wrong? Talk to me. Because I'm, you know, he he's naturally passive aggressive and I'm really good at being passive aggressive. Oh, you want to play this game? I can do it better. So we'll do it. And then he'll give up. And he'll, you, he'll humble himself and say, Vicky, what's wrong? Can we talk? So if there's a glimmer of hope, but there's still love for the kids, I think one of the people, if I could do it all over again, I don't know if I would split up quite that way because my kids really got affected. And I, I, I feel like, you know, I wouldn't have stayed in the relationship. Maybe I could have talked more, but I was one of these suffering wives, long-suffering wives that, you know, I because I was already not believing that I could be loved. And then my husband kept fooling around heavily. So it almost seemed like, well, that's what I expect because I'm not lovable, right? Right. It you was proving it. It comes to yeah, it comes to a place where, you know, you become smaller and smaller. And I felt that I would disappear. So if, if that's and that I wouldn't be a good mom anymore, would you know, I couldn't do this anymore. Then I had to go. You know, it was because talking to him, he he didn't have the same concept about marriage. He really thought marriage is, you know, like uh, he. I remember him to this. Till recently, he said, I will always, when we're old, I will be there for you. I will be there. Like, I will never leave you. And I'm like, wow, thank you. <laughs> well, I deserve better than that, right? But, and I tried to make it really good for the kids, but they really got affected. Because we don't fight. We never used to fight. I'm not the shopping kind or anything. Neither is he. So it was like we fought in the first week of our marriage, and then we fought in the last week of our marriage after 13 years. Mm -hmm. And then... You know, so, I mean, if you're disappearing, if you really cannot take it anymore, then take the big leap and move. And, you know, still not give up. I think the one thing that I did is I never wanted to speak to him. Well, he never even tried. But, you know, it's only, I, it's so funny because all those years he kept telling me, I never fooled around, never, I've never fooled around. Even if he's the kind of guy that if you catch him in bed, they'll say, no, it's not true. You're imagining your eyes are, <laughs> you know, you're crazy. But then about three years ago, right before getting married, I, he was in Paris and he got married. We're very good friends. And he said, I said, so are you finally going to admit to me that you fooled around? Because even if I know that he fooled around, because he said he didn't fool around and I never lie. I try never to lie. So I can't imagine people lie. There's still 1% of doubt in my head that maybe he really never fooled around. Yeah. And I said, and then I said, he looks at me and then I said, so, okay, maybe I should rephrase the question. Was there ever a time when you were faithful to me? Was there ever a golden period in our life where you really didn't fool around? Like you were really faithful to me? And he looks at me, no. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm like, wow. And this is 30 years after we split up. Finally. Wow. <laughs> he admitted crazy man. Crazy, crazy man. But I just found it so funny. I said, we didn't even have one year where you didn't fool around. Oh my gosh. And in married for I didn't need to know that. But you too, know, much in, really... too much information. <laughs> too much information. No, I, I love it. I find it so cute. I go, why are you like that? You go from zero to 100. I mean, like, couldn't you have stopped it? <laughs> Give me one year. Yeah, but you know what it is? So now he's happily married, very happily married. And I see the girl is very uh, strict. 
because I'm not strict at all. Like, you know, you have your life, you love me because you love me. I will not force you to love me. I, all that stuff going on. So when he was going home, you know, I remember he come home at three in the morning. And I thought it was normal because I didn't have any sisters or brothers to talk about. So that's one thing. And then he'd tell me I'm hungry. So I'd make him, I'd make him merienda. And I would be like, wow, I would feel like, but I'm so sleepy because I just came from duty. So that means I didn't sleep for 36 hours. He comes home at three in the morning. I wake up and it's merienda pa. It's mga caviar. So I have to <laughs> boil the eggs. I'll have to do the blinis. I'll have to put the onions. And so I'm like thinking, but I'm so sleepy. But I never had any resentment. Like, why are you coming home at 3 a.m.? And then you're making me make Mariana. <laughs> Nothing. Mm-hmm. I will, and he'd always tell me, this is the worst part. Guys, show your husbands or your wives the real you. And if they show you who they are, I remember Opa said this, believe them. Because a lot of mm-hmm. people like, oh, he's only like that. But when we get married, he'll change. Hello, he's not going to change. No he might way. get worse with that change. But, you know, it's not. it's not like... They're ever going to change. So you believe them. But the funny part is I had the mandabalika notion in my head. So when you were dating, I was such a bitch. I mean, I really showed him my bitchy side, which is really out maybe 5% of the time. But I was, you know, like if he's late 10 minutes, I'll lock the gate. I'll tell the, I'll tell the houseboy, don't let him in. And then, because you're late, you're not respecting my time. And then I'd be, you know, so when we got married, I became this, in my head, my fantasy of the perfect wife. I tried, you know, I tried to be the perfect wife. I'm sure I wasn't. But then he would always tell me, why are you so nice? And I go, what do you mean? He goes, like, you're so bitchy when you were dating. Now you're so nice. I said, oh, I just wanted you. I wanted to see if you could take my bitchy side, you know, because most of the time I'm nice. But if you can take my ugly side, then we're going to be fine. I thought if you got married. You know what he told me after we split up? I was so boring. I wasn't bitchy anymore. And he liked the chase. Yes, and he the liked challenge. the challenge. Yeah. So girls, don't overdo it. I mean, I thought I was being so smart. It's, as you get older, you realize how dumb you are. You know, and you only, like now I feel like I don't know anything. When I was 20, I thought I knew everything. <laughs> because yeah, so all I, your rules, yeah. yeah. So basically, you were too nice in that relationship. And you didn't have boundaries. Yeah. And so he kind of took it all for granted, right? And he found it boring. Like, what happened to you? Why are you like that? So now mm-hmm. his wife is really, she's Swiss. So she's very, very, very nice. But she won't take any, you know, like she catches him the moment there's a problem. She'll put her foot down and make it clear. Whereas yeah. me, I thought you weren't supposed to do that. Like, be patient. Men are like that. You know, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. And it's really working. He is so happy and they are so happy. So girls, don't be afraid. Just don't be a nag, I think. But yeah. make your boundaries clear and scare I, them sometimes. I think it's also about, you know, self-respect. I think that if mm-hmm. you respect yourself, like I'm not going to take this crap, then, mm-hmm. you know, they'll behave themselves a little bit. And I also think that when you show that you are important and valuable in the relationship, then the other mm-hmm. person will make you important and they'll value you sometimes people are just meant to be together and some people are just Mm -hmm. not good fits. They might be good people on their own, but they're just not good in a relationship, which is why the two of you are like really good friends, but just the marriage was not the (laughs) ideal one, right? Yeah, it wasn't. That's, I had such a, I had such a struggle with that, with Crystal. 
you know, because I always, you know, want to be a virgin, get married, blah, blah. So when Crystal was like, I, lo I looked at her and I said, first, my son found me so weird because he said, mommy, I want to be a virgin. It's <laughs> my son. When I get married, I'm going to give my wife my virginity. I said, I look at him, I go, no, don't do that, Quark. <laughs> And he goes, oh, I said, you know, you have to have sexual compatibility. You have to learn. You're the guy. You should know. And then he goes to school and tells his friends in Ateneo. This is high school. Wow, your mom's so cool. And he goes, you are the weirdest mom in the world. And then so now, of course, I'm Christian. So no, you save yourself because it's sacred. <laughs> then my daughter, Naman, I looked at her. And I'm thinking, what do I say to you, Crystal? I don't know what to say to you if I had known better i would have done better but i don't i don't can't tell you to go try things because it's like wrong so yeah. you know it's such a struggle it's a good thing you have two boys because for me girl and boys are really you know different. i can't say the same thing to my boy and to my girl yeah <laughs> it's different it's different a lot but what is marriage like with hayden what's that like it's usually wonderful and if it's not it's usually my fault well the only <laughs> thing with hayden is no, the, Hayden is very kind, very caring, a wonderful dad, super duper, and a very wonderful husband, but a much more wonderful dad. You know, it's so funny. He looks at me and he always says, are you sure you had kids? Because I, he is such, he reads, he studies, he does everything correct. He knows how to treat Scarlett. Scarlett adores him. Everything, he's such a good teacher because in this COVID times, it's teacher daddy and teacher mommy. And she mm -hmm. always prefers teacher daddy because he knows how to make it fun. Whereas yeah. me, I'm like, it's all serious. Like, this is teacher mommy. And then we'll play. That's fun mommy. It, I don't seem to know how to make it, you know. Yeah. But he teases her and, and everything. As a husband, he's so thoughtful. And then he's a dad. And he, like, what do you need? You need a massage. He'll rock Scarlet to sleep. Because we're reading this book now about this girl of, who, you know, as a baby, she rocked her son, and he became 10. She's, when he became an adult, she would creep to his house and rock him in her arms. So she loves being rocked to sleep in Hayden. Mm -hmm. Three hours before Scarlett will sleep, he, she, he will rock her to sleep. Aww. Then he will go to me and go, what do you need? So I'm like, but it's for real. <laughs> but, no, it's so wonderful to marry a Christian husband. And if you've gone through all the bad parts, finding the marriage is already so much better so i think i'm getting my reward it was you know i don't say it's worth it because i would never want to go through what i went through again and i don't think i could it's like med school i look back and i think how did i do that it's so mm -hmm. hard but when you do it a day at a time then it's easy take the yeah. day for what it is and then tomorrow I, again rather than see the future that's why I, it's another reason my ex-husband and i didn't get along because he's a harvard mba so he plans and I'm right. the kind of person, like, I pray and I go. So, so many business things that would have been successful, I feel, because he asked me all these questions, like Harvard MBA, I got overwhelmed because there's just too many problems. Whereas if I took it one day at a time, I would have made it. I would have done well. So I go, I don't want to ask you anything anymore. He goes, do you know how many people, how much people pay me for my consultation? And you <laughs> get it for free and you won't talk to me. And then now you're in trouble. You want me to save you. I go, because if I ask you, then I never do anything. I'll be paralyzed. Analysis paralysis. So, yeah, we're not bagay. <laughs> you know, what, 
what you're talking about is really like that whole debate between logic and intuition. And you are an mm-hmm. intuitive person. You trust your gut, your instinct. Mm-hmm. Whereas he's right. more like, you know, on the brain. But, you know, now, now even in Harvard, even like all these um, business schools are teaching intuition. So things have really? changed. You know? Oh, good. Yeah, they have natural intuition. What's your husband like? My husband Did you marry is your opposite? My husband is opposite in a lot of ways, but um, he's actually a lot like how you describe Hayden to be. He's such a good dad. He is uh-huh. a really good husband. In fact, I'm the one mm-hmm. who's kind of a little bit more, you know, like I, I work, I have my career and he, he has a business and he's very much career oriented as well, but he's just more laid back and chill. He's, um, mm. he loves to like play with the kids and, you know, he tells them stories as well. Whereas I'm like, okay, we got to do it this way. I'm a little bit more like, you know, like you, yeah, you sound like me. <laughs> yeah. But it, works, and then. it works. And I'm the talker too, you know, like I'm the one who <laughs> talks and my husband is the one who's not as confident to like, you know, speak up or, and he too dealt with a lot of self-esteem and insecurity issues. So that's why when you're telling your story, I'm thinking, wow, this is so similar to my story. And, and oh, what I see also as a, as a huge similarity is, you know, when I, when I hear what you're saying about Hayden, it's like, this is the man who has learned to value what he has today. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's why, you know, yeah. that's why he's always taking care of you and Scarlett, because for him, you two are the most important people in his life. You know, he's learned to value that and he would never want to lose that. And I think we all come, right, Dr. Vicky, from some kind of trauma, some kind of background, which shapes us sometimes in a good way, sometimes in a not so good way. And sometimes it's about finding the right person who will stand by you and help you bring out the best in you. Ah, you Does he bring out the best in you? I definitely think he does. I think he does bring out the best in me, but I think I also bring out the best in him. You know, oh, and that's, okay. that's the compatibility and that's what a relationship is about. It's about communicating and, you know, talking about how you're feeling. And sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, we take things out on each other, but it's not about each other. It's about things going on outside of us. And that's when the communication becomes important that, you know what, it's not really about you. It's because of this. And that's what mm-hmm. I heard you mentioning as well. So, In terms of relationships, what would you say are your biggest lessons? What have you learned the most in your life about relationships? Well, it definitely takes a lot of work. I don't think it's it's just going to be a, you know, I hate fairy tales. I always, you know, for so long I said I would never read a fairy tale to to Scarlet because I believed in Cinderella and Rapunzel and Snow lives happily ever after it gives us the wrong idea about everything but i think number one because i'm i believe jesus should really be when you read the bible and you see how kind he is how good he is or the fruits of the holy spirit which is patience joy kindness you know it's it's the kind of thing that if you just did that you would you would definitely have a good marriage and you really want the best for the other person love him truly and I don't know. It's just, this is the first time I think I've really been married. I don't think the other marriage counted. We were both so young. I was 21 and he was 25. At that time, you think, wow, we're so old now. But this one is, this is what a marriage is. You work things out. You, I don't know. It's just, and you look towards the future together. So it's just scary for me because, of course, I'm so much older. He's younger. So sometimes when we talk, I'm like, Okay, 
I'll always tease him. I go, you be faithful to me because anyway, I'll die ahead of you. Then you can have your And he goes, will you stop it? <laughs> so any lessons you learn as, and my advice is to try whenever anything happens, like always pause and say, God, what are you trying to teach me? What am I right. supposed to learn? And so you don't have to go through this lesson again. Believe me, it just, you never want to go through what we went through. It was just so, you know, when you look back now, it seems, wow, how did I survive? But to be so public. And, you know, like for me, it was so hard for me because, I mean, it was hard emotionally because I really loved the person. But I was Dr. Vicky Bello even at that time. Mm. And I had an image that, you know, and I was so napahiya, as in super. I never thought I would take that because I hate looking stupid. You know, that I'm, I'm trying to, I think I'm smart. So I always know what's going on. To be so, to look so stupid, it's not so bad. It's, it's a lesson to learn. So now I, you know, I'm not anymore that proud or, you know, because before like with, with Atom, when I found out he was fooling around, the biggest thing was my ego. Like, mm. what am I? You did this to me? You think you, you know, how dare you? It's all about me. How dare you do this? What, you made me look stupid. And I remember grilling him. Who are the women? Who are the women? I need to know. And the reason I needed to know was when I went, if I ever met them on the street, if I ever saw them, I didn't like the idea that she knew she had an affair with my ex-husband and I was stupid, right? right. So with Hayden Amon, to be fair to him, he told me everybody. So you girls out there, you think I don't know? I do. Because <laughs> he was very portrait for about the women I didn't even know about. I'm going, oh, I didn't know you did. Huh? Her also? Huh? Her also? <laughs> but I, I appreciated the honesty because then it gave me hope. Yeah. Because, if, you know, if you can't... Because I don't like wandering all the time. Like, what? Every woman I see, I'll, I'll worry. It was so wonderful that he really told me the names. And yeah. so when I see them, I'm like, huh, you think? I don't know. You know, I remember we we met a girl before lockdown. I met her in a party. And, of course, I was still a bitch. I mean, I couldn't help it. So, uh, Vicky, this is so-and-so. Vicky, so-and-so, have you met? I go, oh, you're the one with Hayden. <laughs> <laughs> she almost fell. I'm, and I'm like, yes, how bad you are behind my back. <laughs> Bonus point for Dr. Vicky. I know. So cheap, Diva. I told you I'm not mature. <laughs> no, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with sticking Would your Would you do that if ever? You know, it's what you felt in that moment. And there's nothing wrong okay, with that. I'm allowed. I'm forgiven. It's not the bad, bad, bad. No. <laughs> At the end of the day, you were honest with your feelings. It's better than, you know, feeling bad inside and then beating yourself over the head and saying, oh, I wish I said this. Or honesty and yeah. truth. Right? Actually, they say that's one of the worst things, uh, unsaid communication. Think something you wanted to say that you didn't say, but it eats you up. The so, regret. yeah, I'm very good about vomiting it. <laughs> sounds so bad. No, I always say, Dr. Vicky, I always say better out than in. And I also say yeah. that, you know, whatever's happening, like you, you said, if God gives you that lesson, you are meant to learn something. I mean, you got the boulder from the pebble. It, you got the boulder, but you just like kicked that boulder out of the galaxy. You yeah. conquered that, you know, and now uh -huh. you earned it. And I think also a lot of it, though, has to do with you realize you are worthy. You realize mm -hmm. you're lovable and you deserve yes. this. You know, I always say yeah. the way people treat you reflects how you feel about yourself. And if, That's if true. Hayden, 
if he treats you this way, you must really feel that you are worth that. But the one, the one caveat I want to say is don't ever come from a place of ego. Of don't course. say, how dare you treat me like that? I'm deserving yeah. of... It, yeah. It's not it's not quite the same as knowing your value. Correct. And that you should be respected, right? Yes. It's not that loud, like, I'm so good. You know, how could you do this to me? It's a quiet, like, I deserve to be loved and I accept it. Mm-hmm. It's a different, right. you know, it's a different way of of, of loving yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's a, that's a better kind of love, right? For sure. For sure. I mean, I've seen, I've seen how you've grown, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I really recognize someone who has been through that journey and who has learned to fall in love with herself. And I see that it's like all over your face. Your whole aura is like, you know, I started off not knowing, you know, how wonderful mm-hmm. I am. I, I didn't recognize Probably this, you know, obviously this happened when the bullying, um, but you lost all that sense of self-worth. But today you have it. You have Well, it. you know, that's another advice that works for people, I think, when they come to me with their heart problems. Oh, mm-hmm. this and that. And I, you know, that they got left and then the guy fooled around. And, you know, especially a lot of them feel really bad that they've been with a guy, let's say, for eight years, and then they, the guy breaks up with them, and then the next girl he marries. It always seems to happen. Yeah. Then I always go, you have to remember, it's their loss. Every time, it's their loss. And for some reason, that's very comforting. And I think that's, in a way, self-love, because you know that you can know how much you can love a person, how much uh, you can make them happy, or you can be generous, or, you know, in a way, just a whole... Uh, and they lost it. So it's their loss. So whenever, and they, they tell me, you know, just you saying that to me whenever I hear, because otherwise it's like a put down. Oh my God, he loved her more than me. And I was with him for eight years and then he marries her. I wasn't worthy of being married to her. I go, no, 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 no. He's just saying, you're a loss. Too bad for you. You're a loss. And yeah. it helps. It helps them. It helps. Um, it helps build them get themselves through. again. Right. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. But you know what, Dr. Vicky, what I say to my clients in that position, because that happens a lot. You're right. I see it a lot with people that I work with in my sessions. So I tell them, yes, you know, don't feel bad like you didn't get chosen, but ask yourself, what was my lesson? Right. Mm. That person mm-hmm. who got left by that, per- by that man, let's say, what was your lesson in that? You know, what did you get? You got something from that relationship. Maybe you can't see it right now because there's so much pain. But there was something mm-hmm. in it for you. Maybe it trained you to be the person who's ready for her soulmate. Ah, right? Yes. Maybe it, it made you grow in a way that you are a better soulmate for that future partner. You know, so there's always a benefit. True, right? For sure. And sometimes we train, you know, our exes to be better in relationships with other people too. <laughs> That's true. My ex is right? wonderful in his relationship now. Yeah. Yeah, bagay. So maybe that's a soulmate. But when you say soulmate, I remember 
it's not just one person, right? Or no. is it just one person? No, no, okay. we can have plenty. And at if different times in our life, we have that perfect soulmate for that time. So if you are, you know, talking 10 years ago, you may have had a different soulmate that was perfect for that time. And usually mm. in an ideal situation, you grow together. But no. some people grow okay. apart. Right. Some people grow apart. They change. They go in different directions. And then, you know, somebody else might be right for you down the line. All right. So, Dr. Vicky, tell me a little bit about your self-care rituals. What do you do for me time, considering your really busy schedule? Okay, so I I start the day praying. That's always the way. It's sort of a meditation. Then I meditate. I'm very uh, I'm very kinesthetic. So I love massages I love that's why Hayden during the quarantine was massaging me because you know <laughs> that that's the thing I I miss the most my skincare you know I the reason I, I always say if I had no patience at all I would be my number one I, at least I would have me because I you know the first there's such a thing now especially this time it's called skin hunger mm-hmm. so it's a it's a thing where because we, we can't even touch we have to have social distancing. Facials are very personal. Your your healing yeah. clinic is very personal. So people are so hungry to be touched, and I really feel that hunger. So, and it's so scary. Like just having a massage, which used to be relaxing, now you have to be scared. Like they might give me COVID, that sort yeah. of thing. So everything I do, even reading, it's always the things that are important to me are that I feel. You know, like I can't stand if I touch my skin and there's one little pimple or one little, it really bothers me and then I'll cut cut. So that's why I'm glad I have my clinic. I I am a learner. Hayden and I have that in common. We're always trying to learn and trying to better ourselves. So the, it's hard with Scarlett here and not having school. She's always knocking on the door like I did Bikram yoga. And it's so hard because I tell her, Scarlett, I'll do Bikram for an hour and a half. Don't bother me, please. But of course, mommy, I'm not bothering you. I just have one question. What? <laughs> you know, but then she's always more important. So I I have to give in to that. But it's even shopping. So that used to be my favorite pastime. Now I'm so happy because of quarantine. Like, where will I go? Where will I wear my things? Nowhere. So suddenly it's become a lower priority. But I still feel the itch. So, you know, and my salespeople in Milan or Paris or LA will call like, there's this new thing you want to buy, you know, they tempt you, even if you have nowhere to go. But for me, that's self-care, that's self-love. I worked so hard. I deserve <laughs> giving gifts is a, a big deal for me, especially to Hayden. I feel so bad that, you know, we would always do that. We're always very thoughtful with gifts. But now I think if there's anything cool, but we're not giving things to each other anymore that are just uh, physical manifestations of how much we care about each other, whether it be, you know, Usually something's not even that expensive just to show you, I I think about you and what you want and stuff like that. I think the one that makes me happy when all else fails is praise. So I have a really lousy voice. I can't sing, but I lock myself up in the room and I sing to my loudest voice. You know, it's very therapeutic and you get all the negativity out, etc. And, you know, because like Zoom doesn't work for me talking to my friends on Zoom. You know, they're inviting me to Regine Velasquez. Uh, they were saying, Olga Alcasid was saying, Regine has a barcada, Jaya, Shasha in her. They're very close. I feel like, why don't you join them? It helps Reg a lot. 
And I said, yeah, I'd love to. I love these people. They're all wonderful. But, you know, when it's talking like this after a while, but no, I need to hold you. I need to touch you. I need to, yeah. you know, hug you. It can't be like this. I'll feel so bitten. So, but I think for my sanity, I do recognize there are certain things that I need to do. And then Hayden recognizes that too. Sports, exercise, such a big deal for me. If I don't work out. And, you know, like even seeing nature. So we went to the beach last weekend after four months. I just felt so wonderful seeing the stars, swimming in the sea. I mean, it was all just God's nature all around. I felt him. I feel God much more in nature than I do in a church, you know. But it's really his creation is so beautiful. I And in this whole COVID in a way where there are butterflies now, dragonflies, stars, you know, and, you know, and just the fact that we're not vibrating the earth, we're not, you know, I was so happy to see coyotes in the middle of New York City. Yeah. <laughs> because I feel that the human, we human beings are so selfish. Like we feel the world is for us. And I, I used to be such a meat girl, but I've stopped. I, I haven't really totally stopped, but I don't, I really can't eat meat anymore because I think, or for today we had squid. I love squid. We watched we went snorkeling, we see squids. I don't want to eat them anymore. <laughs> gone away. All the, you know, all the things I used to love. Of course, I'll still eat a good Wagyu because it's so yummy. But it right. has to be a very high, high level. Otherwise, I'm like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to harm animals anymore. Fish especially. It's like we take everything, we kill everything for our own satisfaction. I don't think. So I'm really much, you know, getting into fruits. It just did it naturally. And watching The Game Changer, did you ever watch that show? Yes, I did. I think think it's the best thing to become a vegetarian. It just changes your mind because when you see, you know, what you're doing and the harm that goes to all these animals just for you, it's such a selfish thing. Yeah, I agree. It changes your vibration too. You feel so much lighter and clearer when you're eating green. So I do agree with you on that. Dr. Vicky, what is your Project Loving Myself mantra? What is the one thing that you tell yourself, which is all about self-love or what you try to remind yourself? It's not very deep. It's I deserve it because I work so hard when I, no, I think what? I need to be a positive force in this world. I need to be loving. I need to be give good vibes. I need to make people feel beautiful inside and out. And I can't do it if I don't have it inside me. Yes. So I feel like a lot of these things, it's, and it's really true. I'm not just saying it to, to justify the things that I do, like shopping. But even just looking good, just looking good in my clothes or looking like our hazmats. You know, we have the best, most designed hazmat in Manila. So everybody's saying it's a bit expensive. Let's go for it. I go, no, we're a beauty clinic. When people see us in our hazmats, they have to feel it's not about, it's not scary spaceman things. It's beautiful because the beauty is its own reason for being. And I need, we need to talk about it in everything, communicate that in everything so that people will feel you know, like even the clinics are more beautiful. Even our filter has to be in Telepure. It has to be because it does communicate on a very subliminal level that they are also worth it. They're worth all these things, that their safety is so important. Now I think that's what they need more than anything. So in the Maslow hierarchy of needs, it used to be love was number one, but right now it's safety, feeling. Like you, so that we have to make sure that, that 
So I do it for myself only so that I can also get radiated again to the world. Amazing. Dr. Vicky, and I wanted to emphasize this. You said beauty is its own reason for being. Mm -hmm. And that's really such a powerful statement. This has been a tremendous episode. And I think it's been really healing for a lot of our listeners. Very inspirational for me. Your story, Dr. Vicky, is really of someone who started from one place and just completely scaled heights that I think few people are able to reach your success, your love, and your relationship, I think are really a testament to your transformation, to your journey of well-being. So really my gratitude for coming on the show and for sharing your personal story with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you for guesting me. You know, you've always been someone who's helped so many people. I think we're on the same path, actually, just doing it in different ways. But we're here on earth to make a difference and be a positive difference in people's lives. More power to you. And thank you for guessing me. You definitely radiate beauty and love. Thank so you. So take care, Nanaya. Good luck on the show. Now, if you want more from Dr. Vicky Bello, you can follow her at Victoria underscore Bello. You can follow her on Instagram. She's also on YouTube under Vicky Bello. That's V-I-C-K-I. Bello, and you can also follow at Bello Beauty. So definitely check Dr. Vicky Bello out on Instagram. She has a lot of amazing posts about her life, um, about her daughter, about her work. Uh, so definitely check those out. So, what did you think? Did this strike a chord with you? Do you share your thoughts with me on at Project Loving Myself podcast on Instagram and at Project Loving Myself on Facebook? We have so many interesting conversations releasing on the podcast, so please do leave a review and subscribe to the channel on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Before I go, here's my Project Loving Myself thought to you for the week. Beauty begins the moment you decide to be yourself, as said by Coco Chanel. So I think she knew what she was talking about. See you guys soon. I'll catch you on another episode of Celebrating You. You are loved. Bye-bye.